Welcome to Consumer Connections, a podcast series brought to you by Scylla Insights. I'm James Pikeway, joined by my co-host. I'm Faisal Khan. Together, we'll be your navigators through the marketing landscape of the Arab region and beyond. Consumer Connections aims to untangle the complex world of marketing. We invite strategy experts, marketing leaders, and heads of insights to share their firsthand candid perspectives on understanding consumers and the insights that enhance our communication with them. Today, we're delighted to welcome Gita Patel, Head of Media and Digital Excellence at The Barn, Arla Foods' in-house creative digital agency, to the podcast. Gita is a seasoned professional in digital marketing and boasts a wealth of experience in the GCC from top-tier agencies to her current role at one of the region's most dynamic brands. Welcome to Consumer Connections. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's my first podcast. That's awesome. Oh, hey, this is well. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> you're, you're at the barn. That's yes. Arla's in-house digital, yeah. digital agency. Yeah, right. I, I want to talk about the barn, but I'm really interested in the path that you've taken in your career to yes. get to where you are because that's a good story itself. We want yeah. to paint the picture. Sure. So actually, in back in 2011, I when I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do. What did you think you wanted to do? Hmm. I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. Wow. Oh, <laughs> so we were on a quite a tangent, but uh, basically, I just then followed my sister's footsteps. I'm like, "What did you do?" And she's like, I was in this agency called Starcom. Like, give them my CV. <laughs> <laughs> and I started in media back in Lebanon. I actually started on offline. Offline. There was, there, yeah. was, there was no digital department right. in the media agency back then in 2011. And then uh, I started working on the PNG account. And then uh, six months later, they're like, oh, we're moving the team to Egypt. I'm like, wait, I'm not going to Egypt. Find me something else to do. So they're like, you know, there's on Mondelez account and they want to start experimenting with social media. And at the time, they called it community management for someone to manage the pages. I'm like, um, let's, let's, let's go for that. And we start, that's actually what I started off doing. I was the community manager of uh, a, a gum brand on the Mondelez, in my Mondelez days, which was wow. Chiclets. And then we started expanding and expanding. And fast forward uh, a year, I was managing six uh, Six accounts for Mondelez. Fast forward another few years, I was in the Dubai office of uh, Starcom, uh, managing the entire account of Mondelez. So I became, uh, you know, I was overlooking the entire account, offline, online. Um, it was very beneficial for me to start actually as a community manager because I knew the ins and outs of what it took to optimize digital media, what worked even in the sense of content and bringing those two together. And then uh, I moved along to Arla in the end of 2019. I actually started off as head of media, which was not including the barn. So that was more... How is that possible? Yeah, <laughs> that was the separate. And I was mainly lo looking after the agencies uh, and I worked closely with the barn. Then we consolidated the role because that made a lot of sense. So, uh, and now I'm heading up media as well as the barn. Um, uh, so... Which is, which is the right way of looking at media as a holistic perspective of, uh, of hybrid planning. And Rita, you mentioned something really interesting about, like no one knew about social, I mean, you just moved from offline to online. So you've really seen that transition from the offline marketing world of marketing to yeah. digital. How's that transition been? And what, what's really the success behind digital marketing as an industry per se? I think with the, you know, the growth of, Internet penetration and social media, how it started off, 
you know, when Facebook was uh, was uh, first introduced, and you're like, what is that? And you wanted to get into <laughs> social media. But I think it's a combination of factors. So there's obviously the growth of internet penetration, social media platforms, um, uh, smartphones. So all of that made it very accessible for, for people, and not just people, but brands to connect with those people, right? Um, and all of a sudden you have this medium, this vast medium, uh, where you where brands can reach consumers at any time of the day, anywhere, and target them. And that made it very accessible. So I think that, you know, started all of it. And if we think of traditional media, that was our biggest challenge, at least. It was very expensive to do traditional media. Like, you didn't have the option, like, I, I just want to reach 10%. So can, I, can you give me, like, a lower price, please? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work in traditional media. Like, you have to pay that full price for a spot, and you right. need to go after it. So it didn't really allow for... A, you know, different scale of brands. Uh, or, right. uh, but with digital media, you have that opportunity. So you get to decide. And that get, that uh, allowed for affordability and scalability across different so Reaching brands. more and more number of people at much lesser cost. Exactly. And it allowed brands to not be afraid to test because they didn't have much to lose. So I'll test it out. What is it? I'll, I'll test with a small budget. If it works for me, I go big or I can mm. do better and I can learn. And the data, that's another thing. With traditional media, you're pretty much going in a bit blind. Correct. And then you have to rely on third-party research to, to get the insights. The availability of data and what that allowed you to do made made advertisers much stronger, made brands much more confident to be able to go into that uh, entire spectrum. Get, getting the accessibility to measure audience data, receptivity of your ads, and, and the cost metrics as well. So the whole digital progression has been a very positive thing for, yeah. for you. Yeah, absolutely. It has been. And a lot of learnings came out of it. And really quick. I mean, the learning, puzzle it's the same with what you're doing. Exactly. The yeah. learning exactly. is, is exponential and it's so fast compared yeah. to 2011, the stuff yes. that you were learning. And it's in, in real time. Yeah. So I get to see in real time how it's performing for me. But that's the that's the bright side of the story. But if you look at it, and I often wonder, people like you who are managing digital, you mentioned Facebook, right? That was a few years back. Facebook, then you had what Instagram, TikTok, it does come Snapchat. With opportunities and challenges. Yeah, and, and I was wondering, like, and, and then not only that, then the then the then the means. So within you had pictures, and then you got into reels, and then you yeah. know those short videos. How do you manage to, how do you cope with that speed of change? Yeah. How do you decide where to start experimenting? Yeah, that's actually a conversation we're just having at the barn. So we're having an <laughs> internal brainstorming session on how do we evolve our content strategy. Like before it used to be so simple and that at the time we thought was complicated enough, right? Yeah. Like we need to take a TVC and I have to do a, a 15 seconder out of it and a six seconder out of it. Like what? Now it's about... Three seconder and, <laughs> and vertical, not real stories, you know, going into different placements. But to answer your question, of course, there's well, I personally see there's much more opportunity versus challenges. So the opportunity is, you know, you get to target a wide audience. You get to experiment with all of that. You get to personalize that. We really have fun personalizing uh, co communication with our audiences. That's what I really enjoy getting having that access to different audience metrics and personas and uh, and the different usage of right. platforms to personalize um uh, but of course there's a big challenge which is you know the competitiveness of uh, of that you know um, with that high penetration with 
new platforms being introduced to our target audience. There's a lot of competitiveness when it comes from other brands. Correct. So how do you stand from the clutter? It's, it becomes more and more important for you to be able to develop, you know, cut through content. But at the same time, people's expectations are higher as well because they see so much and they know they're giving you their data. So they are also evolving with us as brands. Mm, that's they interesting. expect personalization. So if you, if I, if I target a Gen Z with a diaper ad, she's like, excuse me, you're supposed to know me better by now. You know that I'm not a mom. What, what are you doing? You don't know how. To, like you start to see comments from people when that don't work in advertising. Uh, your marketing team clearly needs to do a better job. <laughs> not for us, not Arla. So let me just get that out in the <laughs> open. But yeah, you get to see that. Before you wouldn't see yeah, that kind true. of uh, comments. People wouldn't yeah. get it. Correct. But now they expect that. Okay. So it becomes more pressuring as well. We need to pause for just a second because mm. we've been talking a lot about Arla and the barn. Yeah. So there will be people listening to this mm. podcast who are going to go, I have no idea what Arla does. They've been Googling it at yeah. this point. Can you, <laughs> yeah, can you let's describe? Let's rewind and talk Let's rewind just for a second. That. What is Arla? Okay. And then talk to us about the barn. Yeah. Because that's also an interesting. Yeah. The barn is my baby. <laughs> but let's start off with Arla. So Arla is a dairy company. It's a Danish um, dairy company. It's very popular in uh, in the European market. Uh, here, pe- probably people will be more uh, familiar with Puck, which is our uh, most powerful brand that we have. It has very strong brand equity. So we have Puck, Puck cheese, Puck cooking cream, Puck uh, uh, sauces. We have a wide range of products under Puck. We have Lurpak butter we have arla milk uh i personally i'm a very big fan of arla milk and my kid is organic milk um and we have the three cows and my favorite (laughs) 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 yeah um so it is a it is a dairy brand uh or a dairy company the barn is the internal digital arm. Does it look like Arla. a barn? I've not been. Yeah, actually, we have a nice. It's a very uh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a nice setup. space that we've uh, we've actually rebranded uh, two years ago. Um, uh, it has an agency look and feel, and uh, and we have some mock up uh, animals uh, that are yeah. set up at the barn. I remember the cows. And, <laughs> and there's some cows yeah, sitting here in there. We have, we have a couple of cows lying around, <laughs> fake ones. <laughs> Um, uh, so we do all the digital planning and buying, and we also create all of the digital content. So we optimize. We have an internal kitchen studio setup where we can we shoot recipes. Wow. Uh, we shoot product shots, and we do some videos as well for across the products that we have. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really it's really fun. So you you talked about this whole idea of of digital and how it evolves so quickly how you get data how you've got how how your your customers are Mm -hmm. also have great expectations because you should know them very well this has got to create a huge challenge in this region Mm -hmm. because there are fantastic differences you know between here between saudi and beyond how do you deal with that aspect of the digital world yeah not to mention the different dialects that you need to yes. cater to in the region. <laughs> Faisal would know. Yeah, yeah, we're all about dialects. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely true. So like I was saying, like uh, just a few years ago, actually, that's the scary part and the interesting part because it, it, it's changing so fast in a very s- short period of time. But just a few years ago, we would get a, the TV copy 
and we would ensure we have a 15 seconder of that copy and a six seconder of that copy and we're done we're good to go we put it on youtube we put it on pre-rolls and we had the put we put the six seconder on across the different social platforms but nowadays it's becoming much more complex than that so we we need to do what we call channel-led optimization and placement-led optimization. So we need to have different creative for reels versus stories versus bumper ads on YouTube uh, versus in-stream versus display ads. So we have a lot of different placements. And now when we're actually shooting for the TVCs, the importance of collaboration as well between the different teams is how do we get the people working on ground in the production set to take different shots that are seamless to work on the digital platform. So, cause I know I'm going to be shooting for a reel. I need to have a close up shot on a person's face or someone pointing upwards when in reality they're pointing towards the sky, but because I know I'm putting it on a bumper, it's actually pointing towards a, a specific uh, a call to action <laughs> button that I'm going to add later. So it's capturing all that into into what we call a material request form that has actually evolved from being only like two rows to being 50 rows that goes to the production house to 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 you know account for all the different shots the different placements the different copy durations that we need to deliver that same message just across all those different uh, channels your job's gotten more complex yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, it gets complex by the date so it's not like Digital is here to make our lives easier, but your yeah. life more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps it interesting, you know. You, you that's the beauty of it as well. I I'm still learning every single day, you know. And and now, like with, with the whole new conversation on generative chat, AI oh, and, and the new tools and that we have, and how do we use that? I mean, it it keeps uh, it keeps you engaged for sure. The whole, you, you talked about, I want to back up for a second, you talked about mm. dialects and you talked about the challenges that creates when you're yeah. putting together content and, and trying to understand what people are saying. Mm. This is a big change, the ability to actually gather that research. Mm. How, is, how does that change the way you do your job? It's very important for us to know what main language are we using or the dialect that we're choosing because we have a different dialects, right? So we know we're... we're we need English and we need Arabic. That's the straightforward part. But then within Arabic, which dialect are you using? And we do some, we do research to to get information on what is a dialect that is like more universal across the different target audiences. And we go with that. So it's not like we create content with all the different dialects. We cannot do that. Especially that we know that most people would understand uh, a universal dialect. But the the more challenge, that's when it comes to like creating content from scratch. The bigger challenge is when we want to do, uh, you know, social listening to understand what are people saying about a specific topic. Are you ever surprised from the social listening with yes. the results? Yeah, we do get some surprises. Um, but then it's also to factor in the different dialects there. Because this word might, need, might, might mean one thing in one dialect, but means something else in another dialect or not understood in one dialect versus the other. So we need to capture all that information. And also when, and like I said, because Arla is a Danish brand, so we do get a lot of content also from other markets in English or in Danish that we want to translate to Arabic. And this is where 
you know, sometimes we try to use tools that can do the translation, but do it work? pretty much doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it does need human. Yeah. It does need human interference to be able to do it properly because you don't get you don't get it right. Well, and that's that whole discussion that's happening now. And you 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 mentioned it, AI. Yeah. And everyone's suddenly thinking, I don't need an advertising department. I don't need a content creation department because. <laughs> I've got AI. Yeah. <laughs> no. Doesn't work that way. No, exactly no, no. for the reasons that you just said. Yeah, exactly. You need to, especially now, at least at this yeah. stage, because you need to do your fact checking first and, and you need to also um, superimpose the brand identity, the brand, the brand tone of voice and all of that. It, AI is not going to capture that on its own. You need, you need, it, it, how we're using AI now is definitely an enabler. So it does help us produce faster outcome in specific things, but not in everything, one. And two, definitely cannot be done on its own. So you need to be, if anything, now it's actually taking us a longer time to produce <laughs> because we're in that experimentation phase. And I like that part you talked about. It's about enabling you. So it's helping mm -hmm. you do it perhaps better, but it doesn't remove the significance of human intelligence. Yeah. I mean, that's always going to be needed. Do, do influencers still play a role in your strategy? Yeah, a big role actually. So, we influencer marketing is an essential part of our of our a lot of our plans actually. They do have a different role to play from one, you know, plan to another based on the strategy. So sometimes, and it's important to to know hmm. and anchor how are we using those influencers. So right. sometimes it can be because we want to drive cultural impact. You know, we want to position a product as trendy uh, so we need to partner up with a specific type of influencers sometimes it's because we want to communicate product credentials we need to build credibility yeah. of the brand or the product and influencers can help us do that sometimes we want influencers to say something that technically us as a brand cannot say yeah. you know <laughs> but we That's can smart. do it so, so it's as, as it's very important to know the reason why you're using influencers because also that helps us understand what metrics of success are we looking for because what tends to happen sometimes is we look at and we use influencers and then we try to look at okay how much reach did i get but at the end of the day if you were after reach then you should have never went after influencers because influencers is not a cost efficient uh, touch point Definitely. to drive reach there's much more cost efficient touch points to drive reach i'll use ads and i'll blast them on instagram and facebook and youtube and i'll get the reach Influencers have to have a more specific role and we need to be very clear on that to manage also the KPIs. It is still tricky to assess success when it comes to influencers, so I how will you, admit that. How do you that. success, how do you judge that success? Yeah, that's the tricky part. Because they're expensive. They're expensive and there aren't any real clear metrics, right? Because even if we look at engagement rates, yeah. uh, we might be seeing very good engagement rates, but that might be just mean people interacted with the influencer herself or himself yeah. rather than was receptive to the message we're delivering, which, you know? Which almost seems contradictory to me. We're going to use influencers, yeah. but oh, we can't really measure the success <laughs> But we don't really rate. know. We don't yeah. really know, and it costs us a whole bunch, but we don't want to yeah. not use them. It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we still don't, don't have a clear answer on, you know, how do we... Indic indicatively say that this is a success but we do know from research we do know from what people are receptive to when we ask when we ask them you know how do you choose the brands that you that you're using today how do you discover new products and brands influencers always comes up 
So, so we know that it is definitely a channel that is important, but have we defined or found a way that we can measure the success without going into, you know, third party research, like just from metrics that we have available to us, that's a bit tricky and still not uh, very clear to us today. How do you but we, but we try to assess the sentiment that we also see from from uh, d the influencers that we use. So if you look at their comments, you know, the comments coming through, are people actually commenting on the right. content mm -hmm. or on, uh, you're, you look great in this video, mm -hmm. you know? That's how we also try to see, okay, I this is I love your nail working. polish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we also try to do that. It is more manual uh, work um, or we try to tap into, again, social right. listening tools to yeah. do that. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be more effective to use a social listening tool? But I mean, everything I know yeah. about social listening tools is yeah. you can, you, I mean, Faisal, this is, this is your domain, in, in pick up here. But when we do it as, you know, if we sit six of us around a table, we've, we've got a whole bunch of biases built mm. in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are multiple. I mean, data is, uh, I mean, far more uh, reliable today because, like you were saying, the challenges you have with the evolving technology from a marketing perspective, there are also challenges as data providers you have because even technology is evolving. We crack, let's see if you crack pictures or engagement, and suddenly there's reels. Everyone's mm -hmm. talking about reels. Then you need a different mm -hmm. mechanics or different metrics to capture the success of reels. Yeah. Or let's say, you know, if there's a new platform. Snapchat. So from yeah. Facebook to Snapchat to TikTok and everything else, there's a different mechanism, what you can get, what you cannot get. So we are all learning, but I think we are in a position today much better where the data is much more reliable, where with a lot more confidence we come back and give recommendations, whether that's related to influencers, mm -hmm. whether that's related to digital advertising. So yeah, so we're also learning every day. Yeah. But I think uh, both from a marketing perspective and the inputs we're able to to give marketing, I think both are have evolved and are in a much better position today. What, what do you see the challenges right right today? What are the biggest challenges you're facing as you start thinking about the marketing challenge in front of you? How do you get your how do you make these choices? As you said, you've got you know ten different domains to think about using. Yeah, it's a, it, you know it boils down to prioritization as well. So we do depending again on the brief and the target audience that we're after to understand the consumption habits and the consumption behavior. So what main platforms are impactful here? What do they use the most? What the f what formats are best utilized on those channels? So because we can always say, you know, uh, we want to use 15 different platforms, but at the end of the day, what is the most effective to utilize with that budget against, you know, because um, we're, we're, we're a CPG Exactly. Uh, business. Yeah, so. so we're after reach. You know, we need to maximize reach to maximize the, our sales ultimately. And how do we do that in the best way possible? Looking at it, a most effective channel mix. And then after that, once we define the channels that we need to be on, we say, okay, these are the formats that are most effective on those channels. So the first step is we say, okay, Instagram, let's say for an example, Instagram is the most effective or one of the top three most effective channels when it comes to this audience, especially when it comes to food consumption, because we know food as a topic is huge on Instagram. So first we've defined that. We said, okay, we need to be on Instagram. Then it's how. So on which 
placements on Instagram. So is it stories? Is it reels? Before it was simpler. It was like, I'm, I'm just on Instagram. Just, uh, done. Yeah, and then it's done. Uh, that it, we started off with images. I remember, yes. Uh, uh, and we used to pay a lot of attention to the caption that we put. And now it's like, <laughs> we have bigger problems. Um, and, and that's so, such a fast change too. I mean, it's, it's become the most important channel in terms of like images. No one's asks about images anymore. It's everything's become about videos. And like you said, three seconders, 15 seconders, attention spans are getting lower and lower. Mm, and yeah. so much messaging to do in those short yeah. durations. I don't think it's easy. No, definitely not. And then the need to upskill and, and scale up the right capability and team becomes more and more important. You know, before you needed to have one planner and one buyer and that's it, you know? <laughs> Now you need a mix between the planners and content creators. You know, you're a social specialist. You need someone to manage all those pages as well, alongside the buying uh, website, yes. uh, search. Uh, and then, on there. Yeah, and now with the latest trend on TikTok and Instagram having search, yes, they picked up on the trend of people yeah. using those platforms as a search hub by themselves, me included. So now like internal questions, wait a minute, do I put my search specialist to optimize search on Instagram? <laughs> or is it my social expert that just does search on Instagram? So it starts posing all these new questions as well, even from a structure, a Wh team structure. We still don't know. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and, yeah, that, and that's a valid question across, like you talked about generative AI, you talked about chat GPT. And mm. with that kind of things happening around in terms of upskilling becomes important for individuals like us. And, yeah. and even when you're setting up teams, who do you really get? Your requirements are changing. Your JD descriptions are changing and the different skill sets you're looking at. It's not the normal yeah. digital marketing yeah. of people you're looking at. It's yeah. just, And now like, I want to get my team to develop their uh, skill set in prompt engineering. Yeah. Yes. And are they buying into it quick? Are they going, okay, yeah. Yeah. or are they saying, I'm already overwhelmed with everything that's happening? I think they're still overwhelmed, but they're also excited about this because they know like this, this is the future and we're, you know, they're upskilling to stay relevant, right? You need to stay relevant. And ultimately, hopefully, what we're looking forward to is that AI is going to help us do things faster. So hopefully should reduce a bit of time doing the right. mundane work and giving us more time to do more of the thinking and strategizing. One of my one of my colleagues, Richard Kaywood, constantly refers to AI as his intern. He said, as soon as you start thinking about AI as the intern, <laughs> yeah. it makes your life a lot easier. You still have to check the work. Yeah, exactly. Right. But <laughs> our, we, we have an intern. Yeah, so we've developed our own intern. She's called Lara. <laughs> and we've integrated her in the systems. And she's doing the job for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. When, when I think of Arla, and as you said, Danish company, and you know, we've, there's a lot of people work in this company. And there are a lot of people with hair my color. And if mm. you're listening, that's, that's a nice dulcet tone of gray. <laughs> and you've got a lot of women, a lot of men who are in senior positions who, because of their gray hair, unless they're premature gray, they're, you know, they're at the apex of their career. A lot of the things you're talking about are like brand new in the last couple of years. How challenging is it to make the case for engagement with these new tools to a generation who they still remember, you know, cassette tapes being yeah. new technology yeah. in their cars? Yeah, that's why it's extremely important to have uh, the proper structure in the company with the right 
capability and skill set. So like we don't expect senior management team or the leadership team to know the ins and outs of what's happening, right? But they they need to be in the know of the trends and and they need to have you know the vision, the right vision. That's how they're in those positions, right? So they know how to future proof. And it's important to continuously look at what is out there. Who do I need to consult with? What do I need to do to future proof? Because you don't want, there's no way that you will think I'm already in like this perfect position where I have everything mapped out clearly and this is my formula to success. You you know that you need to continuously progress and it's about having the right people in the in those leadership uh, positions uh, and, and surrounding themselves with the, right consultants to tell them what is happening out there and what do I need to do to continue to stay relevant and be ahead of the curve or just on the curve um, uh, and to stay up, up to date. We actually now have a, an uh, upcoming conference in Denmark. I'm flying out next week, actually. Um, it's called Gen- Next Generation Marketing. And that was organized by the leadership team. And it's split into different streams on what is required across marketing, retail, retail media, e-com, uh, even distribution to future-proof Arla and across all those streams and use digital transformation as an enabler and all of that. So it's having the right people in your company yeah. and trusting that I have the right people exactly. in my company. And if you don't trust yeah. them, well, yeah. not, nothing is going to work. Yes. I think a lot is also about proof of concept because when you have to see it to believe it often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've had interactions of uh, people who are looking after, let's say, digital marketing. And uh, and one of the things they tell us that, you know, let's produce an output. Let's take that output to the management who mm-hmm. currently doesn't really understand it. And when they see the output and the impact of it, then you actually start believing in it. Yeah. So we've started doing a lot of proof of concept work just to create stuff of the capabilities because otherwise it's everything's just mm. theory, you know, yeah. whether that's generative AI, whether that's, uh, I don't know, measuring mm. ROI. And then when you actually show them the output, it, it that's when we start to talk. Mm. Yeah. And I think what's cool in Arla, to be honest, is you don't really feel rigid bureaucracy or hierarchy where you feel people in really high positions are not approachable or you have this really cool idea, but you don't dare to share it with your management. Um, we do have that culture. And I think that is extremely important to be able to feel you can approach people in high positions and share ideas and get it accepted or even uh, entertained in some way or another. So that's very important. You're heading to this conference next week. What are you going to be talking to your colleagues about when it comes to where digital marketing is going in the GCC? What's your message going to be? Yeah, that's actually a stream on its own. <laughs> you know, we're going to be talking about how do we get to this, I won't say perfect, but but the most suitable formula for us today in terms of how we're set up, in terms of the capability and the budgets that we have and the time that we have to plan all of right. this, you know, to drive channel-led uh, communication with our, with our audiences uh, in the best way possible that can help us maximize ROI. Um, so that's going to be a, a focus on its own. We're going to have, and it's about a col- collaboration, right? It's not just about Arla, but also how do we utilize our partners in the best way possible to get us to that output. And is Consumer Insights ultimately, as we see the change taking place, yeah. does do Consumer Insights take on an even more important role? And and 
the gathering tools mm. that, that Faisal's working with? I think consumer insights has always been super important, but it's just about how are we getting those consumer insights that's changing or where we're using more of a hybrid model, I would say. So historically, it would be more based on uh, traditional Risk. methods of collecting insights. So be it through uh, face-to-face consumer surveys, even the methodology of the questions being asked. Now, I wouldn't say one is replacing the other, but it's more of how do we use those together or use one to corroborate the other, uh, especially when it's available to you right there at your disposal, right? So looking at digital, where it's an honest canvas of what people are actually doing, are actually saying. You don't need to instigate or or prompt them with questions. You simply just have to observe Um, and collect Okay. information and that's the beauty of it because you know it's 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 unfiltered so you get that information you you overlay it with what you see from the traditional methods either to give you higher confidence so great if it's telling you the same exact story perfect it gives you the confidence that it's pretty it's true or it gives you um you know a strategy on how do you personalize information and your messages to different personas or different audience clusters that you get to see from digital. One of the challenges I hear a lot of digital marketers talking about is they have access now to so much data. Mm -hmm. It's creating new challenges of interpreting the data because there's almost so much. It's just like, you know what? I don't have the time. (laughs) How do you deal with that? And that's the difference between data and information, information right? And insights. Data, yes. information, data information, and insights. Information and insights. Faisal would tell you this over and over again. And yeah, because it's garbage in, garbage out, right? Yeah. So, and it can be overwhelming. It's overwhelming, yeah. yeah it is overwhelming. But uh, you need to, when, when you have all that data, that's why it's extremely important to, before looking at the data, know what are you after. And I guess that's the problem you must face all the time. Yeah, and, and that's what, you have access to so much information mm-hmm. and all these platforms you're talking about, that's all information. Mm-hmm. All the conversations that are happening in the online world, that's all conversation. And when you look at data, when you're talking about, just to quantify it, we're talking about millions of data points. You know, yeah. you've got, our research is run in 5 million data points. But is everything relevant? Mm-hmm. Not really. Yeah. It's really about prioritizing, getting what you really need and finding that the data that answers and gets you to the insight you need for your digital marketing yeah, initiatives. Yeah. Otherwise, everything's just noise. Yeah. Like, okay, I, I've fallen garbage into in, that out. trap myself. I, I find myself analyzing data and data, and then I come up with like graphs. I'm like, yeah, but I already knew that. I didn't <laughs> yeah. need a graph to tell me that. Well, what did I just do? So yeah. I'm like, what am I after? So it's not about seeing data and saying, I, I must make sense of this. You need to know what are you after, after. ask yeah. the right question, and then Find the data points that will help you get to that answer. That's what I think. And this was one of the initial conversations I remember. My first conversation for that matter where we were talking about was a pain point in terms of you have data, but the data you have, is it really helping me? At that point of time, for example, it wasn't helping her. You know, it wasn't helping her in her strategic you know, to f- design her strategy mm-hmm. around digital. And that's when we got talking and that's where we talked about AI and using just the right amount of data through the right means and being able to kind of give inputs for a yeah. strategy that makes sense. Otherwise, they all make sense. All methodologies make sense. All the data makes yeah. sense. But not everything's for everything. Yeah, exa- exactly. It's like the example we had on social listening. Because we would get a lot of information and data and data. And then we'll put slides together even. And we're like, yeah, this is what they're saying. And I'm like, okay. 
So, so what? So, yeah. so. <laughs> what do I do with this? So then we're like, let's think of why are we doing this? What's what's the goal? What do I want to know from stalking people online? And it's to understand first, like, what are the people saying about my quality? So the quality of products that Arla has. That would be interesting if I can have an analysis on quality. On the price point, am I perceived as competitive? Especially knowing my competition. So are people willing to pay for this? Is it not? Is it they like the product, but it's too expensive? So that can help me, you know, draw certain conclusions. What is the sentiment of what people are saying? And then how are they using the product? So it was sentiment, product usage, price, and quality. So if I form a picture around these metrics, I'm able not just to use it myself, but also go back to the brand team and tell them, there's an opportunity here when it comes to usage. People are saying they use this product a lot, I don't know, in in uh, chicken, uh, bechamel, pasta, and I'm communicating it with salads. I don't know, I'm saying anything. So that ends up informing, alt- maybe we go crazy and put it on the pack itself, put a pasta dish on the pack itself because that's the insight that I came up with from digital. And then also create recipe content for that on digital to target those people. So... Sometimes you pick up information that you cannot, it's not just about what I use on digital because I'm a, I'm a digital media uh, consultant. I can also, it, it can end up uh, impacting where you're placing your product on the shelf in the store. So it's about knowing what you're after and how are you going to use this information and collaborating with the right people to get it done. And I think I love that about Rida because when she says what I'm after, she actually means it because I remember my first brief with her is like, you know, can you just tell me who to target, where to target, with what to target? That's all I need. And that's the simplest yet the most effective brief. You know, you don't need a five-pager brief because that's going to complicate and then you're going to go after everything and get nothing. If you exactly know what you're after and then it's, and in a world of digital, that's so much more important than it was ever. And, and that's the mental shift from digital to more traditional research techniques is, Digital, you need to be focused or... A lot of the times we don't see a, a creative that has been produced for TV to work on digital, but you don't see the opposite. The opposite is not true. I can take uh, a piece of content that was produced for digital mm-hmm. and I can put it on TV and it works. That's so, amazing. I never thought about that. That's amazing. That's a revelation. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. we've been used to the traditional way of looking at a TV it just starts off with building up a story and then there's the climax and then there's the, you know, it drops back. But, and definitely that doesn't work on digital because you have only a few seconds to captivate. So you need to start off with that climax. But who who said that that, that doesn't work on TV? So we actually tested it out once and it, and it was like, yeah, that looks great on the big screen too. <laughs> That's amazing. Why I really not? Thought about that. So that gives us more reason, yeah. you know, to challenge back when it comes with our creative agencies is, even if I have TV, build for digital first, because that works wow. everywhere. Yeah, that's build for digital first. I mean, I, I never thought about that's that, the, and that's a that's a really good line of mm-hmm. discussion because it's a very common debate whether yeah. it's the re- marketing world traditional versus digital, whether it's the research world traditional versus. Yeah. I mean, that's everywhere now, it's, and I think that's a very nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> everything has to be digital first. Yeah. <laughs> I think, it works, and and I I think the challenge becomes you you end up firing the challenge back at me as an educator. Mm-hmm saying, hey, you got to do a better job of giving us students. They, they don't have to be trained in all this, but they mm. need to know the basics of how to start doing this yeah. so that when they hit the barn, they're able to excel right away and, yeah. and we'll we'll finish training them in the, what, what we want them to do. <laughs> yeah. But they better yeah. know how to 
They better yeah. know the basics. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I was in university, there, I don't. There wasn't a domain for digital marketing, but now now there is. So I'm glad to hear that now that there's digital marketing as a. Uh, I think they're also domain. struggling. It's only 2011. Yeah, it's only 2011. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you can't imagine how things have changed. And also what is pretty cool is from like big publishers and uh, big players in the game here like Amazon or Google, they're offering uh, certificate programs. So they're offering online programs for students where if they complete those courses, irrespective of what they've studied in school or university, they get a chance to join the companies. So they're putting such programs out there. And I think that's very useful because even us and, you know, we're employed, we're working, we're looking at those courses because we also need to continue to upskill and and know how to be relevant on these platforms. Keep upskilling. The question I ask myself, where does it end, you know? And I don't know, I'm just putting it out here, (laughs) but, you know, you're you're upskilling, you're learning, but where is the digital world headed? You know, from let's say from a digital marketing perspective, how do you think in the next five years things are going to change? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you my opinion. Yeah, of course. I mean, no <laughs> one knows. <laughs> <laughs> so please don't quote me on this. But what I think, I mean, first of all, of course, what we started talking about when it comes to AI. So we're going to be in a very big you know, phase where we're exploring how can we utilize AI tools and platforms as enablers to get us to do uh, more uh, for faster. Um, and it's about why, why are we using it? So it's not necessarily just to do things faster, but it's also how can we improve mm. user experience and user interface. So it's about these two things. We want to tap into platforms and tools that will help us optimize the user experience. And how do we do that is by learning more about users, learning more about their their behavior, what are they interested in, what are they not? How do we mold ourselves to fit that in a more relevant way? And user interface is from our own own channels on our websites. What is the best type of content to put there? How should we? How should the website itself be built? How do people like to navigate those websites when they land on some? What What is the first thing they want to see? You know, because sometimes you get you you get blurred vision as as someone with the brand hat or the category right. hat on versus what a consumer wants to see. So while you think I want to put my campaign on the website. Consumer doesn't care about your campaign. Correct. They want, they want to go to the website. They want to see the recipes. Give me the recipes. You know? So so it's also learning what what is the best user interface to expose those people to. So that's a big thing. Definitely continue to learn on how to personalize communication mm. across formats. So because going back to the challenges, yes, um, it becomes more challenging with competition, but also there's a very people are exposed to a lot of content and ads. So it, it becomes, you you want to make sure you're not interruptive. You want to be part of whatever they're uh, doing. And you, and you know people are installing more and more ad blockers. So it becomes more important for you to give them a relevant message in a relevant time, even managing the frequency of your ads. It's not more, the better, better. no. 100%. No. Yeah. Um, and another big thing for us specifically is sustainability. Mm. So... Uh, we're uh, sustainability is a big topic for uh, I'm sure everyone's talking about it so Arla is also taking it to heart and it's part of our strategy for the next few years on how do we what is our strategy there it's on uh, so it's ex- internal and external so internal is obviously how do we recycle better and use our uh, products uh, to recycle but also educate uh, consumers on how to reuse 
potentially uh, our products and also from an advertising perspective. So we are working with our agencies on, you know, on uh, identifying what are tools that the agencies are coming up with on optimizing ads based on the carbon footprint that that ad requires. Wow. So you know how you can optimize your ads to, to maximize reach or maximize budget or whatever. Okay. Now there are tools that are being introduced on maximizing sustainability. So how do you how do you utilize the best mix of ad formats and channels to reduce your carbon footprint by X amount? So I think that's a big thing ahead of us. That's a lot ahead of us. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to be prepared for. Yeah. You know, from the audience surveillance perspective. That's the wrong word to use, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd love to know what an audience thinks when across the digitals, when you say, oh, you know, this is a, we're using sustainability in the mm. whole creation of this product. Yeah, I'd love to know yeah. if they go, you know what, that's a whole reason why I'm going to spend a little bit yeah. more on your product yeah. because I know that I'm getting <laughs> this mm. value that's we good hope for so. We you. Hope so. But we're going to need to have that research done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> done, absolutely. We have charge. <laughs> Always. Oh, man. Ida, this has, been, this has been a lot of fun. Same here. I really like this. Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, lots, yeah. lots of new things. Yeah. Super interesting. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Rida. It was a pleasure having you. I look forward to talking to you again. Listening to the Consumer Connections podcast powered by Scylla with me, James Pikeway. Vessel Khan. And joining us on this episode was Gita Patel, head of media and digital excellence at Arla Foods.